balls and a strike to count to Porter Brown. The 3-1 pitch. Swung on and the ball hit to right. It's going to fall in for a base hit. One run scores. Here comes Powell to the plate. He will score. Porter Brown comes through again. A two-run single. It's a five-run night. And the Longhorns have their first lead of the Super Regional at 7-5 Texas. You're listening to The John Morris Show on ESPN Central Texas. Two balls, two strikes, two outs. Morehouse for the windup. The 2-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. And how about that? The Texas Longhorns come all the way back. Down three in the ninth. They score five in the top of the ninth. And the Longhorns have taken game one of the NCAA Super Regional Series. Final score in game one. Texas seven, Stanford five. Now back to today's JMO Radio Show from the Allen Samuel Studios. Here's the voice of the Bears, John Morris and Aaron Sexton. Very dramatic music there. Highlight cuts courtesy of the Longhorn Sports Network from Learfield. Craig Way with the call. Texas wins game one over Stanford in the Super Regional. Stanford comes back to win game two. The decisive game three comes up tonight, 7 o'clock Central Time on ESPN on the Longhorn Sports Network, and the winner goes to Omaha. Let's check in in Palo Alto. Welcome in our good friend Craig Way. And, uh, Craig, welcome to you. Pretty exciting time here going to this game three tonight. Hey, Jamo, the first question I got, uh, that had to be Aaron Sexton pulling up that music, huh? That's some pretty dramatic stuff there. Aaron's good, man. He is good. Don't try to steal him away. We can't We can't do without him, but he does a great job. Thanks for noticing that. Hey, what a, what a win uh, in the opener, game one. Am I right? Five runs in the ninth on only one hit for the 7-5 win. Yeah, that's what free passes will do for you as well. I will tell you this, John, um, and I talked to David Pierce, head coach, yesterday and talked to him after game one, and this was prior to game two. And as we know from last night, game two is an entirely different animal, which we'll get to. But uh, And I said, about that night, when you have guys going to the plate like this and you're down three runs, was there a lot said before they, you know, before they went up to bat and it was pretty much uh take a couple of pitches uh make sure this guy will throw your strike because ryan bruno has been a tremendous pitcher and closer for stanford this year but there have been times and the coaches noticed it when he could get a little wild or at least be off the plate and miss the zone and when you're down three runs as you know you need base runners yeah so i think that they were more willing to take their chance that he would miss more than he would make. And so you had the two walks and then the hit batter. So that happened, and it, it gave them an opportunity then to put it in place. They got And then the fly ball uh, that Mitchell Daly hits, you have two outfielders almost collide in center and left earlier in the ballgame. And in this case, they kind of had a little bump up, a little near collision thing, but it just did force – uh, 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 enough of an offline for the right fielder, uh, Sabrin Campbell, to miss the ball. And that was a two-base error. So that was a big moment at that point. 
and then and then uh, you got a, an RBI ground out to get it home, and uh, and then of course the one hit was the the highlight that you played. There was Porter Brown coming through with a base hit. So yeah, that's all of a sudden you look up and my goodness, what happened here? Five runs scored on only one hit, but the free passes and the error obviously made a difference. Wow, that's wild. And to go to their place and and win game one like that, I mean that's huge, isn't it? To take game one basically on the road. Well, it, it certainly was, and they knew it was going to be important to try to get game one, if for no other reason, John, with what they were going to encounter in game two. And and they knew they were going to see an absolutely tremendous pitcher and perhaps an absolutely tremendous pitching performance from Quinn Matthews, and that's what they saw, and that's what they got. I mean, he was the Pac-12 pitcher of the year. This was a guy, John, who in the regional series – had thrown 111 pitches in the regional opener against San Jose State, came back three days later on Monday night out of the bullpen and threw another 66. I think it was 141. Anyway, he was close to 180 pitches oh, gosh. Uh, for, uh, over the course of three days. So what does he do last night? He comes in. He has uh, an unbelievable plus changeup, a major league changeup. I've had a lot of people texting me about this, people in the game and all this, and, and just has this – Fabulous changeup, and then his slider working really well, set off by his fastball in the low 90s, and what ultimately happens is 16 strikeouts. He went the distance, and I know it's raised a lot of eyebrows nationally because he threw 156 pitches, uh, but uh, he did it and went the distance for that to get this season, this series even in a game apiece. Yeah, that, that caught my attention. 156 pitches these days. Uh, you just don't see that much. How about this? How about holding him for game two? Have you seen more and more of that, sort of your, your quote-unquote ace or Friday night guy in a three-game series maybe being held to the second game, the Saturday game? I think it all depends, John, on what their workload was, be it in a conference tournament or in a regional if you're going into a super regional. And, and yes, to answer your question, that happened. Uh, it, 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 it's happened with a, with a couple of teams that the Longhorns have seen, and it definitely happened uh, with Stanford because of what I mentioned about Quinn Matthews having thrown like 180 pitches through a week ago today, Monday night, in that series finale against Texas A&M. So I think everybody pretty much knew that he was not going to start that series opener, and uh, but that he would be fully rested and ready to go in, in the second game. And sure enough, he was ready to go, and he, he gave quite an effort last night. Yeah, really impressive. All right, so uh, where, where do we stand going into game three tonight, pitching-wise for both Texas and Stanford? Where do you feel like both teams are? Well, I think they're, they're both in the position where – just about everybody is available. Now, for Texas, LeBaron Johnson, who pitched last night, is not available. Obviously, Quinn Matthews for Stanford. Although, John, I will tell you, in the postgame news conference, they were talking about what a great way for him to close it out. He's a senior, his last game at home. And he actually said this. He said, well, if, if Coach needs me, I'm sure I could get three outs for him. Oh, my God. David Esker <laughs> said, no, you're done. <laughs> you're done. That's wild. So – uh, I, I think all but perhaps the starting pitchers from last night and maybe Travis Staley uh, might uh, might not be available. Staley threw 71 pitches maybe to get a batter or something like that perhaps. Uh, but everybody else is, is, 
as you know, our old friend Keith Moreland says, everybody's got their spikes on tonight. There's right, no knobbies. Right. A lot of those guys have got to be ready uh, to go. And so I think I think that's a you know just being ready for the opportunity. Uh, the the Lovers will start with Tanner Witt, but Tanner since coming back from Tommy John surgery, it's been a slow ramp up for him. And I I really don't think he'll do more than three or four innings max, depending on the pitch count. Uh, he's had that a couple of times. He's he's gone three and a third a couple of times. But he's but I I don't think he'll. He'll go very far. And then it's down to several guys, a collection of guys. Charlie Hurley pitched, uh, I think he threw 30 pitches in game one. So uh, he could be available. And then and then uh, even Lucas Gordon, who, who started game one, uh, could be available for maybe an inning or to get a couple of batters out. So just about everybody available for Texas. And I think it'll be the same way for Stanford. Greg Way, our guest, voice of the Longhorns, Texas Stanford tonight, game three of that Super Regional from uh, the Sunken Diamond, Palo Alto. Uh, we were texting the other night. Uh, explain to our listeners the uh, somewhat unique press box setup there at Stanford. <laughs> That's a, that, 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 it is unique. That's a good way to put it. Um, first of all, and, John, you and I have both have both experienced this in, in our in our broadcast careers. And I know that uh, there's some other people that have broadcast uh, local high school games who are going to identify with with what I'll mention here. And that is, first of all, there is a press box, and that's it. It is a press box. There are no broadcast booths. And you say, well, yeah, but but TV. No, there's no no broadcast booth for television. There's no broadcast booth for radio. There are no broadcast booths. There is one press box, and in that one press box, uh, you it's it's you know um, probably whatever fifty feet long or right. something like that. Right. It's, it's not tiny, but it's not huge either, and it's and it's on two levels. So what happens is is at one at the far left end of the press box is, is where they put the ESPN crew. So so Mike Monaco and and uh, Kyle Peterson, who, of course, pitched at Stanford, they're in that area down on the front row to the far left. On the front row to the far right is Stanford Radio, which is student radio, by okay. the way. They're, they're, they're right, broadcasting right. on my students. And so they're down at the far right end. That's row one. Row two, you have visiting radio more toward the middle, and it's not a bad vantage point. It's just it's pretty interesting because it can really challenge your powers of concentration because at times <laughs> in that box, not just with the telecast and with the two radios going on, but just people and talking and writers, all the writers are in there, all of that, uh, it, it can be a veritable cacophony in there, uh, a lot of chattering and a lot of noise. Somebody told me that, the other night when Texas had the runs in the five-run ninth, the Porter Brown hit, they said they were watching the ESPN telecast, and they said, we could hear you in the background. <laughs> so I imagine that's, that's probably not that uncommon there. Um, you've seen it before. And those of us who've been out here, and, and Augie Garrido, uh, when, when he was alive and was coaching, he and Mark Marquis, the former Stanford coach, were very close. They had a 20-year home-and-home. From 1999, it went all the way past Augie's retirement and his passing into David Pierce's first three years up through 2019. And so I, I've been out here oh six or seven times at least. I might have had a couple of basketball conflicts when Roger Wallace stepped in for me. But I know I've been out here 
at least six or seven times. So I, you know, you know what's coming in advance, and you just, you know, you it, it, listen at, at this point. You know this. You're happy to still be calling games, right? And you'll deal with whatever you have to deal with. And it really hasn't been that bad. It's a it's a little snug. The the issues are as much spatial as they are about the noise factor and stuff like that. But you make the best of it. You 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 know you dial in and you hook up your equipment and call a game and you hope for a good ball game to call. That's great. Weather uh, weather been okay for you out there? Uh, I, you know, I don't even want to mention it to your audience because it's going to make them mad. I've, I've done it. <laughs> right. I've done it back in Austin. I said, look, I know it was 98 in Austin today. Yeah. It's 68 right now is what oh I said. It's gosh. like 70, it's 72 right now. And, and then I said, this won't make you feel any better. Uh, Roger and I had to put our jackets on last night because it, <laughs> it gets kind of chilly. So yes, the weather has been ideal. I took the opportunity. The team flew out on Thursday and had a workout at Archbishop Mitty High School down in San Jose uh, on Thursday, and then on Friday had their official practice, and that was during the afternoon. And then I zipped up to San Francisco and caught the Giants and Cubs at Oracle Park Friday night. Nice, and that was a lot of fun. And and then I've had a full weekend of baseball here, so nice. it was a good trip. Very nice. All right, final thought. What do you think about uh, TCU? They continue their hot streak. They're headed to Omaha. And how about Oral Roberts coming out of the Stillwater Regional, going to Eugene and knocking off Oregon? Oral Roberts is headed to the College World Series also. Yeah, great story there, obviously, for ORU. Our good friend Matt Davis, everybody knows him as Chief, uh, they're up in Stillwater and works on the broadcast uh, with Rex Holt said to me this before we were texting before the tournament even started before the regional and he said everybody around here knows Oral Roberts is not really a four seed they'd already beaten Oklahoma State twice Hmm. during the year so it was nothing for them to match up against them and play them in Stillwater uh, great pitching timely hitting 46 game industry we were talking about Dylan Campbell's hitting streak which ended the other day at 38 yeah uh but uh but uh, the young man uh, Jonah Cox has a, a you know 46 now 47 game hitting streak. Uh, just you know he he's been marvelous. Great story there, obviously a four seed coming through and then going to Eugene and getting off the deck after seeing the eight nothing lead get away and coming back and then to turn around and uh, see TCU do what they have done has been absolutely uh, amazing for them. The Horn Frogs, uh, obviously the hottest team. Uh, in the Big 12, one of the highest in the country. And, yes, they did catch a break with Indiana State being unable to host the Super Regional, but you still have to, uh, you know, make the most of it. And they've done that. Uh, Cole Klecker has been really good for them pitching. They're going to be a tough out in Omaha. And it's interesting, John, that those two teams, TCU and Oral Roberts, face each other first game in Omaha Friday. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, I hope you're there with them. Good luck to uh, to you. Have a great broadcast, and good luck to the Longhorns this evening, and I uh, appreciate your time this afternoon. J-Mo, always great to visit with you. I appreciate it. Thanks. You too. Thanks. All right, we'll catch up. Thanks very much. Craig Way, the voice of the Longhorns, Texas versus Stanford tonight. Game three of the Super Regional from Palo Alto. It is on ESPN Television, 7 o'clock Central Time tonight. Longhorn Sports Network uh, from Learfield as well. That Varsity Network app is a terrific way to tune in to all the Big 12 uh, team schools games, uh, and that would be the case again this evening as well. So that is Texas versus Stanford tonight, Southern Miss versus Tennessee tonight, and the winners of those two games will fill out the bracket for the eight teams headed to Omaha in the College World Series. 
Wake Forest, LSU, Florida, Virginia, Oral Roberts, and TCU have already punched their tickets to the College World Series.